0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church.
1: For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. They're both gone. Justin, as you know, before he came to Damascus Road, he was leading a a student ministry on campus called His House, and uh, he kind of doubled for a little bit. He was involved in leading the student ministry or the the college age ministry there, and um, he was also kind of his on-ramp to being on staff here at Damascus Road. So today... Um, one of his former students and who later became an intern with his house and then now took over the position that Justin had, uh, Jake is going to be preaching here this morning. So that's wonderful, right? To be able to see the, we, we keep talking about discipleship, right? And how the call of the church as disciples is to make disciples who make disciples. So for me, when I hear that Justin came and was serving in a, in a ministry here on campus and one of his students was there, and who knows what the conversations were like back in the day, right? But I would imagine that there were conversations where Justin and Jake are up at night talking about real life stuff and studying scripture, and how does the gospel fit into your life here, right? And so then for just for for Justin to leave and for Jake to step into that, that to me is what discipleship looks like, amen. So we get to, we get to have the treat of having Justin or of Justin's disciple, if you will. I don't want to beat that thing to death, but. Really, it is something, right yeah. so we want to so we want to welcome Jake up here as he uh, comes to open the word really? to us
0: yeah. So this morning we are continuing in our parable series we're continuing in our parable series um, that we've been going through throughout the summer. And so this morning, if you guys want to turn to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to find our parable in there. Now, Matthew 13 (laughs) is kind of this amazing chapter in the book of Matthew where there are eight parables alone slammed into one chapter. And they're all about one thing. They're about the kingdom of God. And the parable that we're going to look at is the very last parable amongst all of these other parables. But before we get there, it's just good to kind of review and look through what Matthew's doing throughout the chapter of (coughs) chapter 13 through all these parables. And so the first parable that we start with, and some of these we've gone through through the summer, the first parable that Jesus begins with in the series of parables is the sower and the different soil types. And so Jesus talks about this man who goes out and he's just sowing good seed everywhere and the seed is just landing on different types of soil. And the different soil types that the seed lands on describes different types of hearers and the ways that we hear and respond to the kingdom of God when we hear it. And there's those who respond quickly, there's those who reject it, there's those who the kingdom of God has received, and it receives good soil, and it grows. And it grows, and it produces fruit, and it produces multiplication, and it goes forth, and it produces more fruit, and more fruit, and it spreads, and the kingdom of God spreads through this good soil. The next parable is also about seed and soil. It's about a farmer who goes out and plants a bunch of good seed in his field, and then the next night or the next day... An evil enemy of his comes and seeds evil soil or bad, I mean, bad seed into the soil. And as the seeds germinate, the farmer discovers that there's this good seed and bad seed living next to one another. And so the farmer allows both of them to grow up together, the good next to the evil. And then when harvest comes, they gather together the good and the evil and they sort them, and the evil is purged out. It's the parable of <coughs> the weed and the tares. The next parable also, what? sorry, I believe it's the weed and the tears, is what it's called. Yeah. Tears? Tears, maybe. No, nope, parable of the weeds, that's all it is. Sorry, it's got a little, a little off. Thanks. No, it's good. I appreciate it, Ty. I appreciate you keeping me honest. Okay. <laughs> no, you're good. The next parable is about seeds, also. Um, this one about a really small seed, it's about a mustard seed. Um, and the mustard seed is about this, this unsurprising growth that comes from this tiny seed. Like The mustard seed is so small, it's so tiny, it's planted, though. It, it grows up into this tree, and it provides shelter for the birds, and the birds are seen to be as the seed's enemy because the birds, what they love to do is eat seed. But here the mustard seed is able to be planted in soil, grows, and be, is able to be this surprising place of growth and protection for its enemies. And then Jesus transitions and he gets away from seeds and he starts talking about (laughs) leaven. And he says, there's the kingdom of heaven is like this leaven or like this yeast that's worked through a bread and it continually expands and grows. And it's on this course to where it's going to work its way through the entire world. That we're this kind of like passive receivers of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is going to go forth, that the will of God is going to go forth, whether we're active and participating in it or not. And he's constantly inviting us to be a part of it because he's like, come with me, come with where I'm going because I'm bringing new life and I'm bringing new joy and I'm (coughs) bringing change and transformation. I want you to come with me and enjoy these things. And so (coughs) the parable of the yeast is just how the kingdom of God is constantly expanding and growing, and then he moves in the um, fifth and sixth parables towards treasure, how valuable the kingdom of God is. And so he describes a man who walks through a field, who discovers a treasure in that field and sells all that he has to purchase the field. Because in selling all that he has and purchasing the field, the man acquires more wealth and more treasure than what he ever would have had had he held on to his stuff. He then tells the same idea of the same parable by saying there's this merchant that's looking for pearls and he finds the most precious pearl and he sells all that he has to arrive at this pearl, this incredible treasure. And Jesus is saying it's obvious how valuable the kingdom of God is. Is that It's kind of a no-brainer decision. It's like if you were walking through a field and you tripped across this incredible treasure you would sell all that it took to buy that field because the treasure that's in that field is just <laughs> insurmountable. Like you couldn't, it's incomprehensible. Now this treasure that Jesus is talking about isn't it financial treasure, okay? That's what you to know, if you go and sell everything that you have, like Jesus isn't going to be like, all right, here you go. Here's a bunch more stuff to replace all the stuff that you just got rid of, okay? But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God has this intrinsic value to it that we should pay attention with how we spend And live our lives. And then he gets to the seventh parable, and the seventh parable is about a net. And it says that the kingdom of God is like a net that's cast out into the sea, and it gathers all different types of fish, and they draw it into the shore. And the fishermen start to sort between the fish, between the good fish and the bad fish, and they keep the good fish and they throw away the bad fish. It's kind of a very similar parable to the parable of the weeds earlier. Now, when we listen to the parable of the weeds and we listen to the parable of the fish, a lot of times we hear it as a warning, as a warning to ourselves, like, don't be the weed and don't be the bad fish. And like, that's rightfully so. Like, we don't, we don't want to be on that side of judgment. But I also believe that it's not just a warning for ourselves, but it's an encouragement for us who have heard about the kingdom, who have received the kingdom, to go forth and share the kingdom with others because this is the fate that the world faces is that there's going to be a day that the kingdom of God includes everybody and then there's going to be a sorting between those who stay and those who are cast away and as members and citizens of that kingdom that are called to go and represent it we're called to go and make disciples who are able to make disciples. We're called to go and share the good news of this kingdom that's expanding, that's bringing life and new joy and relationship and forgiveness and reconciliation to God with real people. And so, although these parables are warnings to us, I also think they're encouragements and warnings to us of, like, what's going to happen, and that should sorrow our hearts to be able to go and love others and see others. And the reason why we kind of go through all of these seven parables really quickly is because this eighth parable that we're going to dig in today is kind of a capstone to all of these other parables that are listed before it. Jesus is with his disciples. And if you get to verse 51, he asks his disciples this. He says, have you understood all of these things? Referencing all of the parables that he's just talked about beforehand. And the disciples, they said yes. Now, it's clear that throughout Jesus telling some of the parables, they didn't always understand. They didn't always get it. Jesus has to explain the parable of the sower. He has to explain the parable of the weeds. He has to stop and call time out a couple times and pull his disciples aside and have a, have a chat to reveal to them what these parables are about. But on the whole, the disciples understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus says that it's been revealed to them that Jesus has allowed them to understand these things. And so Jesus believes their yes, and he continues by sharing this final parable with them. And he says, This. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure for what, <coughs> what is new and what is old. It's kind of cryptic, kind of a cryptic final parable. It just kind of ends there. It continues on. We don't get any explanation of like what's going on here. And this is how Jesus kind of like commissions. I believe he's commissioning his disciples because he's asking them, all right, do you understand everything that I just said before around all these other parables? All right, great. As those, and he says, as those who are scribes discipled in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus is kind of saying, you guys who are disciples, who these these ragtag group of guys, some fishermen, some tax collectors, just some people that Jesus has called out. These guys are not scribes because in this day, the scribes are kind of the best of the best. The scribes are the professors of the law. They understand the Old Testament inside out. They have it memorized. They can tell you why God said what he said and how to live it out. The trouble with the scribes at this time is that they are not living it out. But Jesus says, you guys, you guys are like the scribes. But instead of being discipled in the law, you guys have been discipled in the kingdom of God. You guys are discipled in the kingdom of God. And I have trained you up for that. The passage says, trained up for the kingdom of God. And we can insert the word discipled. Jesus is discipling them towards a new end, towards a new goal. And he's giving them a new identity, that you guys are like the scribes, but for my kingdom. And then he sends them out with this parable by saying, so as you go, as you've been trained up, you're like this master of a household who brings out his treasure, what's new and what is old. Now that seems weird because of translations. okay? So when the text says that this master of the household brings out his treasure. He's not like hauling out his treasure chest. And he's like, look at this old piece of treasure that I got when I was 15. And look at this one that I got from the market yesterday. Like, that's not what he's doing. That's not what he's doing here. Because, but that's what, like, what first comes to mind when you're like, all right, head of household, he's bringing out the treasure. Like, apparently he's got to store a treasure somewhere and he's just going to tell some war stories about it. And that's not what's going on. When we read the word treasure, the better understanding of the word treasure is store. That he can bring out of his store both what is new and old. And when we talk about a store, we're talking about food. We're talking about the head of the household and the way that he manages his food store. And the way that a good manager and the way that a good master would manage his food is that he would keep back some of the harvest and let it age without going bad in his store, and it would become his old store. And the old store was there in case of famine. If famine came, then he would be able to provide for his household. He'd be able to feed them, and he'd be able to feed the households around him. But he's also bringing in new store. He's bringing in new harvest. And so the way that the manager or the head of the household would manage his food And the way that he would feed his family is that he would take some of the new store and some of the old store and mix it together. And between the new and old store, it would provide enough nutrition for his family to be able to eat and to be able to thrive and to be able to survive. And this is what they would do for visitors, for guests, for neighbors, is that it would be this combination of old and new store coming together for the purpose of nutrition and thriving. And this begins to change a little bit of our understanding of what this parable is about. Now, when the scholars look at this passage and they look at what Jesus is doing here, a lot of scholars say that what Jesus is doing, he's kind of foreshadowing and he's kind of foretelling how the disciples, when Jesus is, dies and gets resurrected and when the disciples begin to recount the teaching of jesus and they begin to match it up with the old testament that they will begin to have new insight of what god is actually about and what god is actually doing and we see this revealed in the writings of the new testament that in the new testament we kind of get this new perspective on what was once old and what we see is that even in the teaching of jesus jesus is doing something new When we look at the Sermon of the Mount, for example, we find out that when Jesus talks about the law, it's not about fulfilling requirements. And I think some of us think that our faith is about filling a bunch of requirements. The question is like, well, I should give. Well, how much should I give? 10%? Okay, done. Check the box. I should love others. I should feed my neighbor. And we start asking the question, well, who's my neighbor? And the guy's asking, who's my neighbor? And we ask, who's our neighbor? Because... We don't want to get that answer wrong. But what we find is that Jesus isn't about answering these questions and making a bunch of fulfillments that we have to check the box on. Instead, he's about something much bigger. He's saying, hey, you know the law, how the law says not to murder your brother? He's like, actually, that's about anger. He's like, it's just better in the world if you're not angry at your brother, if you can get to forgiveness and reconciliation faster. He's like, you know that part in the law that says that you shouldn't have adultery? That's not about adultery, actually. That's not, it's not about that at all. It's actually not about lusting. It's not about greed. It's not about desiring the things that you don't have. It's about actually about gratitude and thanksgiving and being thankful for the things that you've been given instead of the things that you don't have. Jesus is about getting at the heart of the law. He's not about just, like, fulfilling the law. And so as Jesus teaches the heart of the law, He's doing something new while also fulfilling the thing that's old. And so what I think for us is that what the scholars have told us is that that there is good fruit from the Old and New Testament. And we should get into our words and we should allow the Word of God to speak to us, both from the New and Old Testament in ways that God brings wisdom, the way that God can bring enlightenment, the way that God can speak to our hearts and to our current and present situations the way that only God can. The only way we do that is if we all open up kind of this old and new store that we hold together right here. Now that's not the end of the application. I think actually that's just kind of the beginning. Because this parable is this capstone of all that Jesus has talked about beforehand. It's talk. It's about seeds. It's about growth. It's about catalytic change. It's about transformation. It's about value. It's about seeing others the way that Jesus sees the world. And it's calling us into that and calling us to know God and to hear from God and to respond and to be disciples. And so what I think when he talks about the ability to pull out from old and new store, there's this idea of being able to pull from past experience about the ways that God has been faithful in our lives. Yesterday was my birthday. And thanks. I love birthdays. Um, I was 29. I am 29. Um, Just turned 29. And um, I love birthdays because for me, it's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of just like natural reflection of my life, especially of the past year. I get to look back and be like, man, what did God do in this past year? And so as I reflected around my 28th year and what God has done inside of me, he brought kind of two things to light that he's done inside of me in this past year. And I would say that these are, these are relatively new things. And the first one is that, that my fears that I carry with me, my fears are deep and they're debilitating and they're strong and they feel incredibly real. These fears that I carry with me, they're very laughable in the presence of God. Very laughable. And what God wants to do is set me free of these fears. And he's like, the fears that you hold on to are not as scary as you think they are. They're actually not as valid as you think they are. And I want you to know that as you confess these fears, he's like, I'm hearing them, but know that they're laughable in my sight because I am with you and I am faithful and I am present, and as you look back on your life, and as you see the fears that you thought that you had to walk through, how scary were they really? I'm like, all right, God, you got me there. We're still here. I'm still alive. Life is, life is well. God is good. And I would even say that in times of struggle, in times of strife, like this past year hasn't been a cakewalk. But I'm here, and I'm 29, and God's been faithful. The second thing that he's revealed to me is that I don't know as much as I think I know. Yep. And that it's okay. And that it's okay. You see, I'm a person who's incredibly insecure about the things that I don't know. And I like to know it all. I've always wanted to know it all since I've been a little kid. My dad will tell you, when I was like Benjamin's age, the first thing that would come out of my mouth was, Why? 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 <laughs> I wanted to know why and how things worked all the time. And I still do. I still enjoy learning. But sometimes I like fake learning because I want to appear like I know more than what I actually do. And I put out in this facade, which is actually rooted in this fear, right, that Jesus is laughing at. And he's saying, hey, just knock all that stuff off, man. Knock it off. And trust that in what you don't know, it's going to be okay. And what I haven't taught you, it's okay. Because I am with you, and I am faithful, and I am teaching you. And you just need to slow down and be present with me, and I'll teach you what you need to know when you need to know it. And that's been a hard thing to receive. But those are the things that God has been doing and is working inside of me. And it might also be some things that God is doing inside of you. Now, with a birthday, it's also this kind of opportunity to, like, look back at the last 29 years, 28, 29 years, and say, like, how has God been faithful in that? How's God been faithful over the long term? And I go back to even before I was born to the story of my parents and how before they even knew God, God was working in their lives. I mean, you want to talk about the kingdom of God working like some yeast that's working through the whole thing? I mean, you just look at my parents before they knew Christ and before they testified Jesus Christ as Lord, and how God had his hand of protection over their lives and over their marriage, it was incredible. Because they almost didn't make it. But God saved their marriage before they even knew that God was saving their marriage. I look back at my life. When I was born, I was five weeks old, a week older than Elizabeth right now, and I got incredibly ill. I had about 10% chance of living. And I'm still here today by God's grace, by God's mercy, by God's faithfulness. And then you just kind of look through life and you see how God guides and directs steps and decisions and how even decisions where you just didn't know whether to turn right or to turn left, and you, you, know, you just felt like, all right, got to pick one, and you decided and you went that way. You're like, I'm still here. And God is still faithful. And God is still present. And God is still near. God has given me a storehouse of things new and of things old that I can feast on in my faith, especially when famine comes, right? Because famine is going to come. We all have seasons where famine comes. And when we do that, we have to look back to our storehouses of what God is doing now. And maybe the new storehouse is empty And we got to turn back to that old storehouse and feast on the leftovers. Which, anyone who knows me, I hate leftovers. Like, (laughs) they're just not good the second time around. But in God's kingdom, we got to feast on the leftovers and the things that he has provided in the past and trust that he is going to provide in the future, especially in the places where famine has come in the past especially where famine has come <clears throat> in the past, that we have things that God has done, that God has given us. Because we haven't accomplished any of this, right? It's all been gifts from the kingdom of God, from God's generosity. We listen to the parables and we hear that they're about growth and they're about transformation and they're about warning. Like a lot of times what happens in those parables is that we start thinking of like, all right, I need to do something. And maybe God is calling you to do something. Maybe God is working in your heart, and he, by his grace, he's saying, hey, you need to change something, or I want to change something inside of you. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't that I just woke up one day, and I was like, guess what? I'm just not going to be afraid anymore. Or guess what? I'm going to be okay not knowing what I don't know. The reality is, is that Staying in front of you, there is still fear and there is still some pride inside of me that I'm like, I don't know if it's actually okay that I don't know what I don't know. But God is giving me the peace and he's giving me the grace to live towards the future that is unknown and blank and that we can see only half dim and full, like always, that's the way the future always is, no matter how clear of a picture we think we've got of it. And he's saying, hey, step into that, not with fear, not with anxiety, but with trust. Because of all that I've done back here. Even through trial and loss and pain and suffering, even through all of that, you can see how I've been faithful and I've given you good fruit through those things. That together we can face whatever is in front of us. Because you're my child. And I see you. And I love you. And so the disciples, they're with Jesus, and Jesus asks them this question, do you understand all that I've said? And the disciples say, yes. Right? And I think we're like the disciples. We're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But the disciples, the way that they really knew it was that they walked with Jesus. And we begin to see that even at the, the death of Jesus, that they still don't fully get it. They still don't fully understand it. And they're walking right there with them. It's not until after the resurrection of Jesus, it's not until after the Holy Spirit comes and the church is formed that you see that these guys get it. And then these guys start giving their lives for the kingdom's cause. And I feel like that's the journey that we've been called to move on, that this same journey of walking with Jesus, of allowing the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us and transform us and to send us out into the world, that we would then be Willing and able to give our lives to the kingdom. That this is a journey that we grow in understanding. And man, we see the disciples at the end of their lives like they get it. As each one of them gives their lives to the kingdom's cause. These guys get it. I feel like we have been given the same invitation to follow Jesus. To hear and respond from him and to become a disciple. And not only just a disciple, but a disciple who can go out into the world and make disciples. Because this old and new store that God has given us, the things that he's doing right now, and that's the question, that's one question you can ask, is what is God doing right now? What is the new harvest that he is doing in my life? Where is he trying to bring transformation, change, growth? What is he doing? What is he making new right now? And then you also have to ask this question of how has he been faithful in the past? We can eat off of that. And I believe the things that God gives us, it's not just for us. It's not just for you and me. For as nice as that is that God does this for me, it's not just for me to feed off of. But he gives us these new and old stores so that we can feed our neighbors. So that we can share our testimony of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, and of God's joy with those who are around us who might be experiencing famine. You might not have anything in their storehouse at all. He's called us to manage our storehouse as well so that we can pull from both good and new wisdom, from both good and new testimony of how God is faithful and about how God is good and how we are able to go and feed and love and care for others. I believe that this is how we move forward into this world towards our vision of being a church that is able to make disciples who are able to make disciples it's only when we're able to open up our storehouses and say welcome to the table come eat from both what is good what is new and what is old and i think that that's kind of my challenge for us this week is like who have you shared the good news of God with in your life? And I'm not talking the good news of like, man, Jesus died for your sin and he was, you know, crucified on a cross, died, resurrected. You know, he's offering salvation. I'm talking like, what's the good news in your life that Jesus is doing? The good news in my life is like, I'm not as anxious towards the future as I once was. And I'm much more okay being me because I feel like God has given me permission to be limited in the ways that he's allowed me to be limited in my knowledge and to walk forward and faithfully in that. And maybe that's good news for someone else. Maybe you can come beside somebody who's having fear, anxiety, or whatever it is that God's bringing new fruit into your life. Or maybe there's old fruit. Because I think a lot of times we get caught up in the new fruit, right? We're always like, what is God going to do next? What's God going to do next? It's like a Netflix series that we're just like wanting to binge and like, what's the next episode? that God's going to do. And we forget all the other seasons building up to that next episode. It's like, you know, some of the best stories are like when they pull something from like two seasons ago and they bring it into the present and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember how great that was. We need to be able to do that in our own lives and ask God to be able to bring a healthy mix of old and new store into our lives, into our remembrance of his faithfulness and then also to be able to call that into the lives that we're around. And we've got to be aware. We've got to be present to the people that God has put around us. All right? So I believe that this is what this parable about is about, this rather cryptic, short parable that Jesus commissions his disciples with. And I want to commission us with as well, that we would go into the world as scribes, discipled in the kingdom of heaven, so that we can bring the kingdom of heaven to the people around us who are in famine. All right? So let's pray and give God thanks and remember his faithfulness as we worship him. Communion's going to be on the left and the right and how God does this incredibly new thing through Jesus that fulfills an incredibly old thing. and how we get to participate in that right here. All right? So you guys pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that no matter what trials or tribulations or fears or anxieties or barriers that we're here today, that we've survived it, that we've lived to this breath. And God, we trust that we're going to live into the future breaths as well, for as long as you give us breath and for as long as you give us life. And God, we trust that no matter what trial, what tribulation, what fears, and anxieties are facing us in the future, God, that you would meet us there also and that you would remind us to feed on the new and old store that you've given us and how you've been faithful to us in the past. God, help us in our unbelief and grow our faith. In your name we pray. Amen.